Hey there, Pastor Mark here. It's our prayer that this message would encourage and equip you in your relationship with Jesus. We're able to provide this content due to the joyful generosity of our financial partners. And if you'd be willing to join that tribe and help get some sermons like this around the world, you can donate at harvestbaptist.info slash give. God bless. And we've looked at the practice of solitude and the practice of community. And today we get to look at the practice of evangelism. But before we get there, I want to remind you that as we move through these different practices, do not do spiritual birdshot and just try to take a week and get great at this one. And then next week, I'll take a week and try to get great at that one. And then next week, I'll do the next one. Be selective. That's okay. Find one or find two over the next couple months that you can hone in on and really spend some time on and work at and practice. And you say, but there's all the other ones, I need to do those too. I know, but we can do those in due time. You, you don't have to be great at everything all at once. It is a journey, play the long game. And understand even for us, we're introducing a lot of these concepts through the fall, but next, uh, next year, we will actually circle back around to these concepts and spend a greater amount of time on them and massage them into the fabric of our church in a greater way. So you'll, you'll get more and you'll be able to practice more later, but pick the one or two that, that really are going to move you forward spiritually the most and zero in on them. And perhaps today, this would be the one for you. The practice of evangelism. Now, I need to define two terms before we can actually look at the practice. The first term is evangelism. When I say evangelism, that's a very churchy word. I don't, I don't anticipate that everyone would know what evangelism meant. Or maybe you grew up in church and you may have a different definition of evangelism than I do. So what am I talking about when I say that we should practice evangelism? Evangelism is communicating the gospel. It's that simple. It's sharing the gospel message. There's a lot of ways that you could do that, but it is as simple as taking the good news, the message of Jesus, the gospel, and sharing that with somebody else. Now, that does beg the question, what is the gospel? You know, what is this thing that I'm supposed to be sharing? So uh, play a game with me if you would. If you have heard the gospel before in your life, you are, you're certain you've heard the gospel, would you raise your hand? All right, keep it up for me. If you have heard the gospel at least 10 times in your life, keep it up if you've heard the gospel at least 100 times in your life, 100. All right, now keep your hand raised if you're like, I've, I've heard it 100 times and I've also believed the gospel. Heard it 100 and believed it, okay? You can put your hands down. But if your hand was left up at the end and I took this microphone that I just gave to Brian Shannon and I walked around and said, 30 seconds, what's the gospel? Could you tell me? You know, that thing that you've heard over a hundred times and you believe in. Could you, could you give me the gospel? You say, I don't, I don't know, that'd be tough. So what are we talking about when we say the gospel? So here is, this is not a classic textbook definition, uh, but it's what the gospel is according to the scriptures. Here we go. The gospel is the good news that Jesus died for our sins, was buried and raised to life, and now offers redemption. This redemption includes, but is not limited to, full forgiveness of our sin, right standing with God, eternal life, a home in heaven. We could put a lot more things in there. And that is available to us if we will repent and believe. Okay, so I'm, I'm trying to boil it down for you. If you want to go look at 1 Corinthians 15 or even look in Luke, you can kind of find that classic definition of the gospel. It's this idea that Jesus died and was buried and rose again, but for a purpose, for our sins, so that now he can offer us redemption 
Now, redemption has a lot of subpoints under it, right? Uh, it includes a lot of things that we're forgiven and we get a home in heaven and that we're justified and all these things, we're adopted into his family. But at its core, that was to offer us redemption and that's available to us if we will repent of our sin and believe on Jesus. And you say, am I supposed to memorize that? I don't know, it may be a good idea, but that's, that's the core. That's what we want to share with people. And there's a lot of creative ways to share that. And we can put a lot of words around it and we can add other things in, in the scriptures that this will be good for you. And, but that is the core message that we want to share when we're talking about the practice of evangelism. So why would we do this? Why would we not do this? What's going on when it comes to this practice? So I just wanna start very foundationally with this is biblically expected, not just of the church in general, but of Christians in particular. It's biblically expected that we would take the good news of Jesus and we would pass that message along to other people. You would find this in, in Luke, actually, where Jesus says unto them, it is written and it behooved Christ to suffer, talking about his, his death, talking about the passion. It behooved him to suffer, to die, and to rise from the dead the third day. Why? That repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem. This was so that we could take that message and say, hey, repent of your sins and Jesus will remit them. He will forgive them. He will take them away. And don't start at Jerusalem, start at home, but take it everywhere. Take it everywhere. We find in Matthew chapter number 28, the great commission to go into, into really all the world and to preach the gospel, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, to teach them all the things. Take my truth and take my commands to the world. Mark chapter number 16, we should go into all the world and preach the gospel to every single creature. So this is, this is something that is expected of us. Acts, when Jesus ascends, like his last words to his apprentices was what? You're going to receive power after the Holy Ghost comes on you, and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and into the, the uttermost parts of, of the world, right? And pastors have long noted that if these are his last words, perhaps it should be our first work, that we need to do this. And we know, really, this, this practice directly supports the idea of joining Jesus on mission, because you want to be with Jesus and be like Jesus so that you can join in his mission. And what was his mission? His mission was a redemption mission. His mission was to save people. He said himself, the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. I want to find the people that are far from God. I want to find the people that are lost in their sins. I want to seek them. I want to find them. And I want them to be saved. And it's our duty as Christians to be with Jesus and be like Jesus so that we can join in this mission, be on about what he's on about and say, we want to seek those that are far from God, introduce them to the good news of Jesus so that they can be saved, right? This is biblically expected. I could take a whole sermon and continue to download that onto you and give you thoughts and press you on that. But I don't think many of you would argue with me on that. So I'm just gonna move on. It's biblically expected. It's also logically sound. It's not just an idea that doesn't make sense. It makes complete sense. Because here's what I know about you. If you have repented of your sins and put your faith in Jesus, that is because somewhere along the line, someone had the courage to share the message of Jesus with you. Period. 
Along the line, someone had the courage to say, here's the message of Jesus in written form, in a tract or in a Bible, and hand it to you. Someone had the courage to preach a sermon and you were in church and you came to faith. Some coworker had the courage to start a Bible study and invite you and to share the good news of Jesus with you. You had maybe a grandma or a parent who had the courage to share Jesus with you. And if it is true that you have received the message of Jesus and you're glad that they had the courage, you're glad they spoke up, you're glad they were bold, you're glad that they told you the good news it would only make sense that you would then desire to be a dispenser of that same good news. If I have believed and I'm grateful you gave it to me, then it makes complete sense that I want to give it out to other people, right? Commentators have long noted that Christianity is one generation from extinction if this generation of believers doesn't take the job seriously to pass the message of Jesus on to those who are coming after them. And that's true. And for millennia now, the baton has been handed and people have continued to communicate and to share and to evangelize and to give the good news of Jesus and be a witness however they could, where they could. I also know that this is logical because you just like sharing good news. And if at your core, you believe the message of Jesus is a message of good news, you like sharing good news. You like it when you get a raise and you can go home and tell your wife, right? You don't, you don't want to tell your, your husband or your spouse that you got chewed out at work or was a bad review. You don't like to share those things. But when you get more money, it's great. You want to share it, right? When the grandbaby's on the way, anybody have maybe your first grandbaby this year? Anyone in the room have a first grandbaby this year? Who had maybe a second, third, or fourth? You had a grandbaby born to you this year? Okay, I know something about you. You shared it. You told your friends and you told your neighbors and you told others you were glad about it. It was good news that there was a grandbaby on the way, right? I experienced this last night. I, uh, I went with one of my boys to the pit football game, first pit football game I've ever been to. And I've, I mildly follow the Panthers and they're kind of like my secondary team. But I was born and raised in Louisville. So I'm a Cardinal fan and Louisville was here playing pit and it was like, I, I want to go to this game. Louisville has an undefeated season. We're a top 15 football team in the country. Pitt has been abysmal. It's going to be like that Steelers-Cardinals game, right? It's a sure thing. We're winning this game. It's going to be a great time. So we went. We wore our red. We, we were having a great time until about the third quarter. And the wheels fell off, man. It was terrible. And every Pitt Panther fan at Acrisure was suddenly a little evangelist who wanted to share the good news that there were touchdowns and there were turnovers and they were winning, right? And about, right in between the third and fourth quarter, you know if you're a Pitt fan, I finally, if you can't beat them, join them. We started singing Sweet Caroline, Let's Go Pitt. It was like everyone was an evangelist that day. The good news that Pitt's winning a football game, right? You like to share when good things are happening or good news with other people. And the message of Jesus is good news, so it makes sense that we would want to share it. So here's the question. If it's biblically expected to evangelize and to witness, and it's logically sound that we would do it, why do we often do so little of it? Right? Can we take a trip to the honest planet? Many churches, or better yet, many individual Christians would say, Man, I struggle to do this. 
I struggle to prioritize it. I, I okay, I, not priority, but I just, I get scared and I chicken out and I want to share or I don't. I've been thinking about starting that Bible study at work for three years and I'm, I don't know what they're going to say about it. Like, why do we not do this more? Why is it not like the easiest thing in the world for us? I think the answer is because this is emotionally loaded. You can't just leave it at it's biblical and logical. There's so many emotions at play here that oftentimes we become emotionally allergic to evangelizing and we forgo it. So there's like culturally, there's something happening where in, in the cultural nervous system, there's these big ideas of like, just live your truth and be tolerant and you do you. And this idea of like the worst thing you could do, like you're an immoral person if you would present like truth to someone, not like my truth, but like truth, truth, like something with hard edges and lines in the sand. That's like, no, this isn't like one of the many ways or something that's true for me and you can do you. This is like the truth and there's eternal ramifications here. Like that idea is something that our culture says they reject, but I would remind you, but that same culture that says they reject it wants to shove down your throat their own version of their gospel, right? Like, let's not pretend like the same people who cry tolerance don't want to force the workplace to have a new training and now you have to abide by their rules or have a parade or, or go and legislate what they want in the world. And the idea culturally, like the American gospel is pretty much as simple as like, Leave me alone, sex, money, and have fun, get some power. And if you go against that grain, oftentimes you're met with hostility. You are. I'm not going to negate that. There are a lot of people that have this cocktail of shame and scorn or maybe even litigation that they want to throw at you if you dare say that you have like a message that's absolute truth that you need to give to other people. That does exist. And that can make us timid. That can make us fearful. That, that can move us away from this. It can make us emotionally allergic. But there's also something inside of us. It's not just without, like pressure that's put on us to perhaps clam up and shut up. But inside of us, oftentimes, and I don't think churches talk about this enough, there's this real sense of the eternal ramifications that are attached to the gospel, Right? And there's a fear in many people that I'll do it wrong or I'll share it wrong or I, I, they're going to ask me a question and I won't know what to say or I won't be persuasive enough and I don't want to be the one who messes it up, right? If I'm trying to share with them Jesus and we're talking about heaven and hell and life and death, like I, I don't, I don't want to mess that up so I'll just, I'll just back up altogether and let someone else do it who is supposed to be the professional at this. And that's such an unhealthy mindset and a fear that you're not supposed to have. You should have a holy reverence for the message that we're presenting for sure. But the idea that maybe you're not persuasive enough, no, don't, don't buy that. You need to think when it comes to presenting the gospel like mailman rather than salesman. So the mailman is given a paycheck based off of did you faithfully deliver the message that you were supposed to deliver, right? You got this letter, you got to go take it to that person, you got to give it to them. It doesn't matter how they react to the letter you gave to them. You just deliver it. The salesman is based off of how many customers do I convert, right? 
I don't get paid unless they buy in. And if you think that evangelism or this practice of evangelism is a salesman, and if you don't convince them or you're not persuasive enough, then you have failed, then you'll probably never do it. But that's not how it works. You are graded eternally on like the serve curve. Did you step up and, and serve and say, I want to give you the message and faithfully deliver at the end? And God can take care of the results, but you just faithfully deliver. And also know that you don't have to know everything. There's probably in all of us, no one wants to look like, I don't know, we don't know something or we're stumped. No one wants to be that person, but you don't have to know everything. All you have to know is the gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus for our sins so that he could redeem us. It's as simple as saying like, here's what Jesus has done in my life. And he, he died and rose again for you too. You want to put your faith in him. Like it's not complicated. Don't think you have to be a seminary student. Don't think you have to be well-versed in the book of Habakkuk. Don't think that like you need to know all the details of the Bible. You don't, you don't. You just have to know the message. But here's, here's the point I'm trying to communicate. I understand, and there's probably a lot of other reasons I could list. I understand that this is emotionally charged. I do understand. In my own personal life, it is not as simple as, well, biblically we should do it. This would be good for them and good for me. It makes sense. So, you know, it's just going to happen. There are emotions involved there, but those emotions, try as we may to give ourselves a hall pass, do not negate the cold hard fact that Jesus wants his followers to have a practice of sharing the good news because after all, didn't he do that? Wasn't he constantly looking for people who are away from God and trying to introduce them? And he used a lot of terminology and a lot of different methods, but trying to introduce them to the, the way, the truth, and the life himself. Trying to introduce them to uh, the light of the world. Trying to convince people over and over and over again and say, hey, there's, there's eternal life for you if you want it. And we should join in on that. So here's what I want to do with the remainder of my time. I only have a few minutes. I want to give you 10 ways to practically apply this. This is like rapid round, okay? I don't want to leave this sermon with just some theory and like go do it. You're like, ah, what do you mean exactly? I want to give you maybe some ways or just some, some thoughts that would be very helpful for you if you want to practice evangelism. And I hope that you want to. So first of all, if you haven't believed in the gospel, let me just start here. Repent of your sin and believe on Jesus. So I don't want to assume that everybody's a Christian in the room. If you've never done that, then make today your day and put your faith and trust in him and join in on this. So if you've never been saved, be saved today. And I'll, even at the end of the sermon, give you an opportunity to maybe pray and put your faith in Jesus if you'd like to. But th for those of you that have put your faith in Jesus, live a life that amplifies your evangelism. Jesus talks about letting your light shine before men and they may see your good works. Corey ten Boom was famous for saying, uh, share the gospel with everyone and if necessary, use words. Now, I, I like the heart of what Corey ten Boom is after, and that your life should amplify your message. But do know this, 99.9% .9 of the time, you will have to use words, okay? You need life and lips. Those are meant to correspond with each other. But please don't think, well, I'm just going to live a good, clean Christian life, and that's it. I practiced evangelism. Like, I'm going to go mow my neighbor's lawn for free, and I'm going to do such a job. Like, I'm going to edge that sidewalk so good that they're going to be like, how did you do that? That must be God. What must I do to be saved? Like, 
That's not going to work, okay? Go mow your neighbor's lawn for free. Have at it. Edge it as best as you possibly can. But no, you're going to have to open your mouth and share the message of Jesus with them more than just living a great life, okay? But live a great life. Amplify your message for sure. Give to missions. We're in missions month. I was reading a book this week uh, on evangelism. It's called The Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. And he ended his chapter on giving to missions in light of evangelism. I thought, how perfect. We're in missions month. I'll share it with you. This is what he said. Before closing this section, I want to emphasize that the discipline of evangelism also applies to the support of missions. For the same reasons we should discipline ourselves for sharing the message of Christ with those around us, we should also discipline ourselves to help those who are fulfilling the Great Commission in places far from us. Disciplining ourselves to support missions by giving and praying and informing ourselves and being open to go if God calls or to let our children go if God calls them is part of the pursuit of godliness. That's someone who wrote this a long time ago and had no idea Missions Month was happening at Harvest, but said part of our evangelism could be financially contributing so that other can share in places far from us. Number four, pray for tasteful boldness. I put two scriptures on your, on your outline this morning. You can read them in your own time, where Paul prays for both boldness and opportunities to share the gospel, but also that his words would be seasoned well and that they would be tasteful. So pray for a tasteful boldness. All of these are great things to, to start to introduce you to the practice of evangelism. It's not quite yet the practice of evangelism, but they're good primers. You're priming the pump to help yourself. Even that prayer for tasteful boldness, if you feel emotionally allergic to the idea, it's a good allergy pill to take and it will help you uh, have some boldness in your life. But here is, is what you may start to do very practically. First of all is understand same message, different methods. So when it comes to the practice of evangelism, you never want to conflate the message with the method. The message stays the same. You share the good news of Jesus. How you do that can take a million different forms. So I grew up in a context where the method and really the only method that I was introduced to was uh, cold call evangelism. It was meeting strangers. Maybe it was at the fair or maybe it was at the, the pumpkin patch or maybe it was door to door, knock on their door and, get, and just they open the door and who are you? What do you want? And trying to share Jesus that way. I have personally in my own life knocked on thousands of doors in an effort to share Jesus with people and been successful at times. It's, it's, it's quote unquote worked many times. Now, many of you would be like, nah, that is, that's not my cup of tea. I am not going to my stra a stranger's house and knocking on their door and going to try to carry on a conversation with Jesus about them. And that's okay. I was never exposed to like almost at all growing up, the idea of I'm going to invite my neighbor over for dinner and we're going to sit down and what's your story? Tell us about you. And they, and they talk and share and then What's your story? And then I share what Jesus has done in my life and, and start to, to talk about the gospel and, and how much God means to me. And like, I wasn't exposed to that at all. You say, which one's right and which one's wrong? It's not right or wrong. The right or wrong thing is not the method. There's so many ways to do it. The right or wrong thing is the message. Am I communicating and delivering and sharing, witnessing the gospel of Jesus to people who need it? That's what's most important, right? 
But here are some ways you could just, you could pick your own, make up your own, that's fine, but you may want to aim to pass out a gospel tract every day. So there's lots of, of little pieces of material that have been invented over the years. We almost always have something like this by our exit doors. And this one in particular actually does not have the gospel on it. It's a bad idea or a bad example. Uh, we're redesigning ours right now. We're putting new service times on there and it should be there here shortly. Uh, but you grab one of these, not just as an invite to church perhaps, but to share the gospel of Jesus with somebody and just pass out a material. Uh, my mother-in-law came to faith as a waitress because someone gave her a piece of gospel literature with their tip. And she went home, she says, I counted my tips first. I was more interested in the money, truthfully. But after I counted my tip, I took this thing and I read it. And she put her faith in Jesus because someone gave her a, a little piece of material. Uh, I saw Don somewhere in here. I'm not going to make you raise your hand, Don, but he, he's here this morning somewhere. And Don gave his testimony, I think it was last missions month, about how um, someone gave him a Bible when he was in the military. A Gideon gave him a Bible, and he read that Bible and read through John, and he came to faith because someone handed him literature. And, and Don, and we support the Gideons as, as one of kind of the missionaries under us. They do a lot of like just giving out gospel literature. You can do that. And it's like, man, it's, and I don't know the words to say. Well, maybe someone wrote down the words for you and you can pass it out to somebody else. Invite someone over for dinner. This, this is a, such a, a beautiful way to share the gospel that is oftentimes overlooked. Find some people that are far from God and have a meal with them. Maybe you don't know if they're far from God or not. Just have a meal with them. You know, we already covered the son of man came to seek and to save that which is lost. That's why. Why did he come? to seek and to save that which is lost. How did he go about doing that? Well, there's this interesting little snippet where he says, the son of man came eating and drinking. Like one of the staples in Jesus's arsenal of how to evangelize was dinner time. It was just, come over, let's get a meal, right? Remember Zacchaeus? Remember that story from, uh, from children's church or Sunday school when you were a kid, right? And Jesus is bebopping along. Hey, what's your name, man? Zach? Zacchaeus, let's go. will Zach work? Okay, Zach, uh, come down, let's get dinner. That's what he does, let's get dinner. Not, not at my place, I'm homeless. We're gonna go to your place, okay? I hear that like you oppress the poor and you got this super sweet house on Main Street, so let's get in that pantry, bro, like let's do it. And they go have dinner. And he, what does he do? Shares with them and Zacchaeus puts his faith in him over a meal. Don't overcomplicate evangelism. It could be as simple as going to your neighbor, what are you doing on Thursday? I make a mean brisket. Come over. Sit down and talk. And don't just talk about the stillers. Don't just talk about the weather. But turn the conversation to something spiritual. Share with them what God's done in your life. Share the message of Jesus with them. You say, I don't know how to make a brisket. Okay, order JNS. It doesn't matter what, what you're serving. Not that much. I mean, cereal probably wouldn't go that well. They may be expecting a little more than that. But go get some wedding soup and some pizza and a salad from JNS and order it in. You know, it's not hard. We, sometimes we so overcomplicate this or we so make it to where only the type A people feel comfortable doing it that we move away from it. Don't do that. Engage with the practice. Perhaps it's a meal. Perhaps it's sharing something. Perhaps it's one of these books. I know that Sharon, one of our church members, buys these by the case, and she likes to pass out these little books. It's like a, it's like a track on steroids. It's a, it's a thicker, fuller track. It's a little pamphlet, and it has the gospel clearly, clearly contained in it. Pass those out. Invite someone to church. You find in Jesus' ministry, his early followers, like when they're first with him, 
They don't do much, I'm gonna go out and share the message of Jesus. They don't do go and tell. When they're, when they're really young with him, they do come and see. And they just invite people like, come see this man who told me all the things I ever did. Like, it's amazing, you gotta hear this guy. So go and tell for sure, but if that's like, I'm, I don't know, I'm not there yet, but just invite someone to church and we'll do our best, not only to share the gospel in a sermon, but we'll give them a book if they come, a dumb book, and we'll do our best to share the gospel with them. You can start a Bible club or a, a Bible study at work. Go to your HR department and say, I want to do a lunch and learn, but we don't learn about the Bible. I want to do a Bible study. How would I go about that? Are there any rules against that? Can I do that? And the vast majority of them will say, yeah. They may have some sort of protocol, but we have a variety of teachers in the room who have started uh, Bible clubs at their public schools or those sorts of things. And I know that several of them are, are going right now and use it as an opportunity where you're at. You don't necessarily have to add something else to your schedule and they fit right in and dovetail with what you're already doing. You can utilize the Three Circles app. There's a lot of tools out there, but just Google Three Circles. And it's, it's one of the simplest, uh, just really streamlined tools to present the gospel. You can put it on your phone and you can let your phone even do most of the work for you. In five minutes, you could familiarize yourself with that enough to be able to use it as a tool. It wouldn't take very long. Uh, I've used that on a variety of occasions over the number of years, but here's the point. Now, I gave you 10 as quick as I could. I could give you 30, I could give you 50. The point isn't so much, do I use the Three Circles app or do I do, I do it over hospitality or do I go to door, door to door and knock on someone or do I do a Bible study at work? That's not the point so much as just share the message. That's the point. And I, I don't want us to be guilty of talking about sharing the good news and preaching about sharing the good news and reading a book on how to share the good news and praying about sharing the good news and theorizing and fantasizing what it would be like when we share the good news and they put their faith in Jesus, but we never share the good news. And if you're not careful, that's what you'll do. You do all the study and all this research and all this thought and all this planning, but just, just go share the good news. Just take the message of Jesus, the gospel, and give it to other people. You don't have to make it weird. You don't have to make it awkward. Use your testimony. Tell him what he's done in your life. And say, you know what? I want to I practice evangelism. We've talked about all these practices, how there's practices of abstinence and practices of engagement. This is a practice of engagement. If you feel spiritually just kind of like mundane and a little dry, man, a practice of engagement will go a long way. You have a good conversation with someone about Jesus who's curious and who's interested, it'll get the spiritual juices flowing, I'm telling you. It'll fire you up. But it's not, I don't think that we are, I, I don't, but I never want to be the church that knows we should but just doesn't for one reason or another. Let's do our best to support gospel work and gospel projects and gospel missionaries around the world but let's do this at home. Let's live a life that is fitting and congruent with the gospel, but let's open our lips and share with people the message of Jesus. Let's take a minute, let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you. Not just that we have this place, not just that we have your word, but we thank you that you have given us forgiveness of sins, you have given us adoption, 
You've given us relationship and connection with you. You've given us your spirit. You've given us so much, all because Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and rose again. And Jesus, we want to take your good news to other people. We want people to put their faith in you, but we understand faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, and how shall they hear without a preacher? That we've got to share. May this be something that convicts us, burdens us, inspires us, but may it not just be an internal feeling. May it manifest itself in an external action. God, help us in this. Help me in this. I want to be better at this. Help me to seize those opportunities more and more to share you with those that are far from you.